Hello and welcome to a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this is Bill Allen from West Irwin Church of Christ in the downtown Tyler area. Glad to have you joining us this afternoon for the next of our Facebook studies as we study through and read through uh, the Daily Bible in Chronological Order, edited by uh, Dr. F. Lagarde Smith. A great Bible uh, reading tool, a daily Bible reading tool. If you haven't started yet, it's okay. Get you a copy of that, and uh, you can add it on Kindle. You can find it at a lot of regular bookstores, and certainly you can order it through Amazon or from uh, barnesandnoble.com or any kind of Christian bookstore will likely have it. At any rate, it is a great tool. I've uh, mentioned it before. We've been reading through it this year, and that brings us to today, April 26th. Uh, we are still in the book of Psalms and will be for a couple of more weeks, in fact, till May 11th. So we're looking at Psalms of the Troubled Soul. We've introduced Psalms in the last week or two and have studied through several of them last week. Today we are looking at Psalms of the Troubled Soul. This is the second part of that section, and that section we looked at beginning last Thursday. So today we'll look through that, and then coming up we're going to have some other great Psalms. I think coming up is Psalms about righteousness and wickedness, and then Psalms of joy and praise, which will be a little bit longer collection. But we're excited about this. I love the Psalms, one of my favorite books in the Bible, and it is just a great way to verbalize your feelings before the Lord. You can sing the Psalms, and a lot of our songs, as we've seen already, and we're going to see today as well, come from the book of Psalms. You can pray the Psalms, as so many have said, pray the Psalms, because the psalmists are going through the things that we go through, and sometimes they're overwhelmed with joy and praise for God, and sometimes they're uh, asking Him to come and deliver them like the Psalms that we're reading today. And then even in the midst of that, they're still acknowledging God's great presence and His great deliverance. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to start in Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Again, these are Psalms of the Troubled Soul. The way I like to do this is to just read through them, make a few comments as we go. But really, uh, the psalmists speak for themselves. As we've said before, the best way to know the content or the context of the psalm is through the content. What does it say? And as we'll see today especially, you can get a really good idea of what the psalmist is going through based on what they write. Um, so Psalm 62, Psalm 62, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Verse 3 asks. Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Have you known people like that before? The psalmist certainly did. Verse 5, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Yes, he's repeating himself a little bit. And you kind of wonder, as the psalmist writes those things, is he trying to acknowledge that this is what he believes, or is he trying to convince himself? Probably a little bit of both. We've been there, haven't we? Verse 7 of Psalm 62, My salvation and my honor depend on God. 
He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Uh, whether you've got a little or a lot, whether you're somebody or a nobody, all of that is really the same before God because our lives are so short in the great grand scheme of time. Uh, only a breath, the psalmist says. Verse 10, do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. What a great statement. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Again, Psalms is a book of poetry. And so he's being a little bit poetic here. One thing God has spoken, two things I have learned. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. And you might say, well, that's three things, Bill, not two, but that's okay. Uh, you have some poetic license here, and they're all related. There's a lot of parallelism, a lot of things that are similar. But what a great statement he makes there at the end of this chapter. Power belongs to you. God has ultimate power. And then the next statement, with you, Lord, is unfailing love. Those two great things help us to see through each day, even during the troubling times as the psalmist was in, that God is all-powerful, but that he's also all-loving. For some, that creates a, a big dichotomy and a lot of tension. But what we do know is that God uses that power uh, to help others come to know him and find the peace and comfort and strength that can only come from the Lord. That's Psalm 62. Well, a couple of Psalms later is Psalm 64. Psalm 64. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Uh, <laughs> David doesn't waste mince any words. He gets right to it. I've got a complaint. Uh, my enemies, uh, they're overwhelming. And we know from studying David, as we have recently, that that was certainly true at times. Uh, Psalm 64, verse 2 continues, Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. Again, we all understand what the, David was going through here. We all understand what it's like to be around people like that whose cruel words are as deadly as swords and arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. The psalmist says, hey, that, this is their attitude. They just go for it. They attack anybody. It doesn't matter. They make their plans. And what they say is, uh, who's going to know? Who's going to see it? Who's going to do anything about it? That's their arrogance talking. But, verse 7 affirms, but God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. The heading of the psalm, again, not inspired, but likely accurate. The heading of the psalm attributes this one to David, and we know that David experienced that. 
when he was running, had to flee Jerusalem, in fact, because of his son Absalom, who had was basically had established a coup against his own father. And David had to flee. Uh, there were many that were there that were uh, abusing him with words and making fun of him. And, and he left in shame, but he was restored. And he came back. And so David experienced all of this firsthand. Uh, Psalm 69. Psalm 69. Many of the Psalms are very short as the two we've just read. This one coming up, not quite so short. Not as long as Psalm 119, the longest of the Psalms with like 175 or 6 verses. Uh, this one's longer than the first two, but not quite that long. Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Have you felt that way? That you're so troubled, the difficulties are so great that you're drowning and you're it's like you're going down once and twice, three times, because it's up to your neck, David says. And so it continues. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. David says, I'm, I, my eyes are failing looking for you, God. Um, I'm sinking and I'm on my last breath. Verse 5 of Psalm 69, You, God, know my folly. <clears throat> my guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. David didn't want to be a bad influence, even in times when he was experiencing such great difficulty and his sin, as he had said in Psalm 51, was ever before him. Verse 7, For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children, his brethren, his brothers. For zeal for your house consumes me, Psalm 69, verse 9, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Yes, you recognize that, don't you? Zeal for your house consumes me. We hear that in John chapter 2 as Jesus cause uh, it, that's the comment that's what brings to mind uh, comes to mind and and those who were watching as jesus cleared the temple in a great fury righteous indignation they remembered this psalm um, verse 10 when i weep and fast i must endure scorn when i put on sackcloth people make sport of me those who sit at the gate mock me and i am the song of the drunkards and I think as we continue reading this psalm, it seems to be one of those, like Psalm 22, that perhaps was on the mind of Jesus himself during those last days, even on the cross, as we'll see in a moment. Verse 13, But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me, or the depths swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. 
Um, this coming Sunday, we're going to be talking in the sermon about similar topics, about uh, crying out for help. And just as Peter did uh, in Matthew 14, when uh, he was, after walking on the water, he began to sink. And it's the inspiration for that great song, uh, Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, and love lifted me. The psalmist here feels that way and is calling on God. Uh, to lift him up out of the depth of his drowning in these troubles. Verse 16 of Psalm 69. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. Verse 21, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Remember, Jesus said, I thirst. And they gave him uh, wine mixed with vinegar or something that he just, uh, he refused to drink at first. And then he possibly got something that he felt comfortable drinking, but... Not much. And here, again, perhaps he's thinking of how David must have felt uh, when he was scorned and uh, shamed in front of everyone. Verse 22, May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they, may they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. The imprecatory psalms, we call them, psalms that call on God to act, call for justice, call for vindication, yes, call for punishing their enemies. That was on the psalmist's mind as well, and we read that in these words of David. Verse 29, But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. Honest, heartfelt, genuine praise to God, the psalmist says, is even more valuable than those worship activities that were called for under the law. And we remember Hosea 6 saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Uh, actually, we remember that statement from uh, the life of King Saul in 1 Samuel as Samuel condemns him uh, and calls upon him uh, to uh, repent and to offer up true worship uh, to God. That's what God desires. Hosea 6 brings that same thought in mind. Uh, Micah chapter 6 does. Isaiah 1, all those great, great passages. The Lord hears the needy, verse 33, and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. 
The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. As bad as a, a time as the psalmist was going through at that moment, still he spoke with hope and faith that God would ultimately make things right, and that once again the righteous, those who love God, those who are obedient to him and his will, uh, will see their deliverance. Uh, ver chapter 71 is another great psalm. This is a psalm for us who have a little bit of no hair or gray hair, uh, who've been around the block a few times. Let's put it that way. Psalm 71. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, verse 5 says, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old, verse 9 says. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. And the psalm continues on throughout Psalm 71 with those same feelings of following God since the days of his youth, asking God to help him and deliver him and not give up on him, even though others who are watching say it looks like there's no one there uh, to help him. Well, we continue on. We've got a few more psalms to cover today. Um, psalm 86 is the next one. Psalm 86, um, starting at verse 1. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. Yes, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. The psalmist says there are a lot of gods, we might say little g in quotes, things that people worship as gods that aren't God at all. But he says you are alone. You are the greatest of all of those who someone might refer to as a god. And the psalmist says, you will deliver me. You are forgiving. You are good. You are abounding in love. And the psalmist prays and looks forward to the time when all the nations uh, that God has made 
Verse 9 says, We'll come and worship before the one true and living Lord. And so the psalm continues in verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And we remember passages like Exodus 34 where God shows Moses his back and, and puts him in the cleft of the rock. And as he passes him, he uh, shields him so that he won't die. And he announces this same thing. God is a God, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Verse 16, turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. What a great statement of this psalm that is attributed to King David is truly his. What a, what a wonderful, we hear about David being the son of Jesse, but he also had a mother who had lots of children. And David was one and he became king and he learned uh, that devotion to God. Uh, serving the Lord just as my mother did, he says. Verse 17, Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Well, a couple of psalms that are wonderful psalms of praise for God's great deliverance and his presence. Uh, the first one, a very powerful psalm in Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you verse 11 says, to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. How with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Recognize those words from um, verse 9 and 10 and 11 and 12. He will command his angels, verse 12, concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan used those words to tempt Jesus to turn away from the will of God. Taking this passage of, 
uh, out of context, out of its message, out of its purpose, which is to remind us that no matter what is going on in our lives, God is still in control and he will still care for us, even though it doesn't look like it at the moment. He still, because the psalm is written from a psalmist who's in trouble. And Jesus responds to Satan and he says, look, we're not to test the Lord. We're not to do anything that would cause us to uh, bring glory to ourselves rather than to the Father. And so uh, Jesus himself has a great commentary on that statement. But don't get that. Uh, don't lose the message of the psalm, which is he is our refuge. He will deliver us. We may not see it in a physical or emotional way even. Uh, and we may not even see it during our lifetime, but we know. We know that God is our refuge, and we know that if we trust in Him, He will see us through. Another great psalm that's a psalm that uh, is actually made into a, a song uh, that I learned uh, a long time ago. I don't think we sing it here at West Irwin, but it's from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol and extol him with music and song. Okay, let's read it. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Psalm 95 verse 6. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. And they have not known my way, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. We hear these words in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews looks back on them. Other places do as well, such as 1 Corinthians 10, reminding us that those things that were written before were written as an example. Those ones who turned away from Moses and who challenged him and who whined and complained ultimately were dealt with by the Lord. And the psalmist says, let's not do the same. Let's not harden our hearts as they did. And the New Testament writers look back on that as well. A great psalm that starts out with a great psalm of praise and, uh, and, and ends with a great warning not to turn away from that great God. Well, let's look at one more psalm today before we close, and it's Psalm 121. Psalm 121, uh, another great hymn, old hymn that we sing uh, sometimes uh, called Unto the Hills. Unto the hills around do I lift up my longing eyes. We've sung that song before, and it comes from this psalm, Psalm 121. It's a psalm of ascent. 
you'll notice this section, Psalms 120 through 134, are the Psalms of Ascents. And what that means is A-S-C-E-N-T-S, ascending up somewhere. And these are the songs that the that the pilgrims, the travelers would sing as they were traveling to Jerusalem and climbing up. Jerusalem again is in the hills as the mountains surround Jerusalem is another psalm we'll read sometime that's been turned into a wonderful song. But they would go up. They would go up to Jerusalem for the festivals and they would sing these psalms, these psalms of ascents in Psalms 120 through 134. One of those is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so immediately we get that, that comparison. Uh, where does your help come from today? Does it come from the Lord? Or are you looking up to the mountains, hoping that the cavalry comes? <laughs> well, the psalmist says very clearly, um, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Not from the mountains. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Where does your help come from? Can you join the psalmist in saying, My help comes from the Lord? Because if you can, then these words are certainly true. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I'll see you on Thursday as we open up this next section, Psalms, about righteousness and wickedness. May God bless you to always look for your help to come from the Lord. I'll see you Thursday.